WTBN Pinellas Park, W262CP Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Moss versions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Someone may say, you know what, this doesn't apply to me at all because I don't pray in public. I don't pray out loud. I would be too nervous to pray out loud, so I don't do it. And you think you're off the hook? You're on the biggest hook here because the same motivation that drives you not to pray in public is exactly the motivation that the Pharisees had for praying in public. You're overly concerned about what people think. That's why you don't pray in public. Welcome to Verse by Verse. Our teacher is Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. As you can already tell, Pastor Steve is teaching about prayer. And he has some things to share with us today that I hope will cause more than a few of us to reassess our motives in praying, or perhaps I should say in not praying. There was an elderly lady in our old home church many years ago who used to use incredibly flowery language, and she had all the terminology down pat. And she spoke so quickly that it was very impressive. It was also very intimidating to others around her, especially for the new believers. When she prayed in prayer meetings, not many others had the confidence to pray out loud when she was there. It was understandable that people would be concerned about how they might be compared to this old saint, but it was also wrong for them to feel this way. It might sound harsh, but when you get right down to it, their reluctance was really based on pride. Our text today is Matthew chapter 6, the first several verses. And right now, in particular, Pastor Steve is referring to verse 5, where Jesus said, When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen of men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. The Lord God wants to hear from you. He wants to know what's on your heart. He's not looking for eloquence or polished speeches. He wants your praise and your honesty. Now, let's get ready for our class to begin. We're to pray publicly. Paul commands that. And Paul himself prayed in public. On the ship, as a prisoner, going to Rome. The Bible says in Acts 27.35 that, that Paul took bread and gave thanks in the presence of all. And so the issue that Jesus is dealing with, it, it's, it's not about public praying. That's not the issue. It's fine to, to pray in public as long as you pray for the right reason. See, the underlying problem that Jesus was addressing was using a public platform for the purpose of trying to impress others with your prayer, with your prayers with your praying. And though you and I may not purposely arrange our schedules so that we will pray while we're in the, uh, the most public gatherings of places, that's what the Pharisees did, though you and I may not do that. However, the spirit of hypocritical praying still plagues us. And I'll tell you how. The real sin of the Pharisees was that they were overly concerned about themselves. Overly concerned about themselves and what other people thought of them. You, you see, praying for the applause of men was just a symptom, just a symptom of something far deeper called sinful pride. In their pride, they craved men's approval more than they, pray, than they, than they cared about God's approval. 
And it's the same concern about what people think of us, this desire to impress others with our piety that still shows up every time we pray out loud in front of others and are overly conscious of of how we sound. You know exactly what I mean. If you've ever prayed out loud in front of other people, you know that so oftentimes we are tempted to think, I wonder how I sound. I sound pretty spiritual. Am I saying the right words? And oftentimes we're not thinking about what we're saying to God. We're thinking about how it sounds to others. I have to remind myself many times before I lead in prayer, you're praying to the Lord, not not to other people. But that's a temptation to wonder, do I sound okay? What am I saying? How do, how do they think that, that sounds? Is that the right words to use? I don't sound like I don't know what I'm talking about, right? After all, we don't want to sound unspiritual, like we've never done this before. And so we often use old, worn-out cliches in our public prayers because we know that these are the approved Christian phrases of our day that believers feel comfortable with, and they acknowledge that, that these phrases are the spiritually acceptable evangelical words and the right language. See, the motivation, if, that, if that's where you're at, the motivation behind this type of praying is really no different than than the Pharisees, what they did, because it's praying with the goal of trying to impress others with our spirituality. That's the problem. Another way in which we can be guilty of hypocritical praying is when we make sure that our prayers contain certain, certain buzzwords and expressions that we know are going to arouse amens, if not out loud in our hearts. Listen, it's very easy to manipulate a, a Christian audience by saying just the right catchphrases. I can use one now. The voice gets a little louder, a little more zealous, and you say, Lord, keep us from the dreaded compromise. You got to pause. Compromise. You pause, and then you say compromise. And you will either hear amens or you know people are gone. That's right. right. We don't want to compromise. Listen, it's very easy do that and you get all the right right responses and you're feeling good about it. So you throw out another, a few other phrases. And they're right with you. And before you know it, what you're doing is you're praying for their sake. You're praying to get them to think, yeah, yeah, this guy is really good. Yeah, yeah. And so that's really the the spirit of doing that is, is really no different than the hypocritical praying of the Pharisees because it really isn't praying to God at all. It's praying to impress others. It's pretending to pray to God in order to gain the approval of man. Now, Someone may say, you know what? This doesn't apply to me at all because I don't pray in public. I don't pray out loud. I would be too nervous to pray out loud, so I don't do it. And you think you're off the hook? You're on the biggest hook here because the same motivation that drives you not to pray in public is exactly the motivation that the Pharisees had for praying in public. You're overly concerned about what people think. That's why you don't pray in public. What might I sound like? I don't want them to think I don't know what I'm doing. I'll jumble my words. So see, it's the same mentality. The Pharisees prayed because they wanted others to think of them as spiritual and righteous. But if you re- refuse to pray out loud because you're afraid that you won't sound godly enough and therefore others may think of you as, as unspiritual, it's no different than the Pharisees. It's the same thing. You're just coming at it from, from two different ways. But the, the problem is the same. It's called sinful pride. I wouldn't want people to think that I'm not spiritual. Here are the Pharisees. I do want people to think that I'm spiritual. It's the same thing. It all boils down to motivation, whether we pray for man's approval or whether we refrain from prayer out of fear of man's disapproval. No matter how you cut it, 
The issue is the same. It's pride. So you're not off the hook. You're not off the hook. And so the Lord makes it very clear that we are not to pray like the hypocritical Pharisees who only pretended to pray to God. Their real interest in praying had nothing to do with God. It was to have other people hear them, commend them as just such spiritual giants. And Jesus wants us to understand that that prayer is not for the sake of others hearing us, but true righteous praying. The kind of praying that disciples should have is to pray for the ears of God alone. That's why he says in verse 6, but you, meaning in contrast to the Pharisees, but you, my followers, when you pray, you pray, pray differently than them. When you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What an interesting verse. He's saying, don't pray the way the Pharisees do in contrast to them who put themselves on public display. When you pray, as my disciples, pray in private. He said, go into your inner room, close the door and pray to your father. Now, what was he referring to? As best we can understand, the inner room that the Lord spoke of was a storage room where treasures were kept, valuable items were kept. The storage room then would have been the most private room in the house. It was a place you could go close the door, lock it, and be alone with God. Now, as we said before, Jesus is not, and don't misunderstand, he's not primarily concerned about where you pray. Location is irrelevant or how many people are listening to you. But rather, whenever you do pray, you need to be able to shut out all the distractions of life, the temptations to show off to other people so that you can concentrate on speaking to God. Because righteous praying is about speaking to him not about speaking to others. If they hear you, that's okay, but that's not relevant, really. If necessary, the Lord is saying, in order to accomplish this, you may have to find the most private, secluded place. Most private, secluded place to pray where you can get away from people and alone with God. An uninterrupted time, and I, and I don't mean driving to work with your eyes wide open, certainly don't close them, with your eyes wide open, say, that's my time with God. You can concentrate on praying. You might be able to pray, but you can't concentrate. See, righteous praying is really about having intimate communion with God the Father. Because prayer, he says, is for the ears of God. The picture here is a child having a private conversation with his father. That's why I said, your father who sees in secret. He said, he said in this verse, to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That's not to say that it's wrong to pray while driving. In fact, for many of us, prayer while driving is an appropriate response to the chaos around us. But it's certainly not the best time to really focus on God, is it? We need to find a time and a place to shut out the distractions of the world and just commune with God. I once worked with a man who told me that when someone was in my office and the phone rang, I should ignore the phone. To answer the phone would send a message to the person with me that he or she was not as important as whoever might be calling me. Yet when we talk with God, we let all sorts of things distract us from Him. We don't even say, excuse me, I'll be right back after I answer the phone. Don't you think God deserves better than that? God knows that if we are praying while driving or something like that, we need to respond immediately to the world around us. What we don't need to respond to are the countless little mental interruptions and external distractions that plague our prayer times. 
Better for them to wait than to expect the king to wait. And what reward was Jesus talking about? We'll get to that in just a minute, after we welcome those of you who may have just tuned in. You're listening to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class taught by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, since 1981. Verse by Verse Ministries came about from a desire to be able to minister to even more people. The Verse by Verse website is versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. I'll give that address again at the conclusion of today's class. Lakeside Community Chapel's website is lakesidechapel.com. Once more, that address is lakesidechapel.com. If you recall, Pastor Steve had just said that prayer is for the ears of God, and that is why Jesus told us to pray to our Father who is in secret. Let's return to class now and continue with that thought. Now, this doesn't mean that, that God is, isn't present when you pray in public. He's certainly present everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's present everywhere. But Christ's point is to say that essentially prayer is about getting alone with God. In other words, when we get alone and pray, our Father is there to listen to us. You may not see him. In fact, you won't see him. But he's there. And not only will he listen to you, but Jesus said he will answer your prayers. If you have the right motives, he will answer your prayers. He'll reward you. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In other words, when our, when our prayers are alone for God's ears, not man's applause, then we can be sure that he'll reward us. Now, what reward is he, talk, is he talking about? Well, Jesus doesn't explicitly say how the Father will reward us, but it seems to me that it's implied in the context of praying that he'll reward us by answering our prayers. That seems to me to be the logical implication here. Now, in light of what our Lord is talking about, how to say about prayer, being a private matter between a believer and, and the Father, it, it seems that a very it seems to me the very obvious application of this truth is that every Christian ought to make it their daily practice to spend some time alone with the Lord in prayer. Do you do that? Do you have a time set aside during the day where it's uninterrupted? It's uninterrupted as best you can. You can you've shut out all the distractions of life. It's you and the Lord alone. You're pouring out your heart to him as a child pours out their hearts to a, to a loving father. It seems to me that is the obvious application of this. No concerns for others overhearing you. You're free to share whatever you want. It's just for God's ears alone. Every believer needs this time, needs this time to be alone with God. When you can give full attention to the Lord, be, be free to share whatever's on your heart without any fear or concern of others hearing you. You can confess your sin. You can confess your pride and temptations, your struggles. You can pray for others. You can pray for your, your own needs. This is a time of praise. This is a time of, of saying whatever you want to say to God without a concern for being interrupted, others hearing you. This is your time to be so free with him. This is, this is so necessary to grow in the Lord. This is how we grow strong in him. I mean, we have to take in the word too. But we grow strong and we get to know him better in our relationship as we spend time with him. There is no other way. There's no other way. How do you get to know a friend? You spend time with them. Now, I know someone's going to either think it or, or say, Steve, you don't understand my schedule. 
I'm too busy to have a set time of prayer during the day. I don't, I don't know what you do, but I'm too busy. You know what? I have to say that's absurd. That's absurd. Any believer who, who says that he's too busy to spend time in prayer, we're not talking about five hours here. We're talking about a few minutes a day. But any believer who says that he's too busy to spend a few minutes a day in prayer with the Lord needs to rethink his schedule or her schedule. Then you're busier than God ever intended you to be. You're out of the will of God. God's will for you is not to be so busy that you don't have time for him. And let me tell you, we make time for the things that we want to do. We make time for the things that we want to do. Any believer who says, I, I cannot fit 10, 15 minutes a day into my schedule for prayer, I, I'd say, you know what, you need to examine your heart. There's something wrong. Something is very wrong. You know what? Jesus was busy too. Jesus was very busy. Demanding schedule. Everybody wanted a a, a time with, with him. And yet he always found time to pray, no matter how demanding his schedule was. I want you to look at one li- one day in the life of the Lord. Mark chapter 1. One day in his life. See if your day is any busier than his. And uh, let's start, actually, we'll look at verse 35 and then go back. Because verse 35 tells us about the next day. The next day. It says in verse 35, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. This is amazing. If you lift it from its context, it just looks, oh, oh, maybe he was on a retreat. You know, he got to bed real early and he's up and running around. It wasn't like that at all. Start, the day started on in verse 21. The day started, it's a Sabbath, it's Saturday. It started by him teaching in the synagogue. So, and I won't read the whole passage, just some verses. Verse 21, they went into the synagogue, and uh, went into Capernaum rather, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and began to teach. Now, if you've ever taught a lesson, you, you know that it can be exhausting. It's exhausting. I read one, one, one place that a... Um, a 45 or so minute sermon is worth seven hours a day of, of labor. So it, it's emotional energy. So here's the Lord teaching. And not only that, we read, we read that in verse 23, that there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out saying, what business do we have with each other? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. So listen, it's difficult enough to teach. Now the Lord has this disruption of this demonic man who's crying out, confronting him. And we're told that he cast out this demon. The people are amazed. And you think this is, this is an emotionally draining morning. You think that the Lord can go and rest in the afternoon. Not so. Verse 29 says, and immediately, not a little bit later, immediately after they came out of the synagogue, they came into the house of Simon and, and Andrew with James and John. If you've ever been to Capernaum, you, you can visualize the ancient synagogue there. And then you walk right out and Peter's house is right here. That's where the Jesuits built that church right over it. So you can visualize it in your mind. So the Lord leaves the synagogue and immediately goes into Peter's house and he couldn't rest because it says in verse 30, now Simon's mother-in-law was laying sick with a fever and immediately they spoke to her about him. So he goes on to heal her and minister to her, take care of her. It's not a restful afternoon. It's had a busy morning teaching. Now he's a busy afternoon ministering to Peter's family. And then you know what? The evening comes and it gets even 
more demanding, more difficult. Verse 32, when evening came after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon possessed. It says the whole city had gathered at the door and he healed many who were ill with various diseases, cast out many demons, and he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. That's how his day closes. Very demanding day. Very uh, filled with teaching, spiritual warfare, nonstop ministry to others. And verse 35 says, and the very next morning, he didn't sleep in. He didn't say, you know what? I deserve a day off. I deserve a break. I'll sleep in and I'll regain my strength. The next morning, Jesus got up earlier than anybody else to spend time alone with the Father. And he's the Son of God. Perfect fellowship. If the Son of God felt like he needed to be refreshed spiritually and spend time with the Father, then what does that say to us? You, you can't be busier than Jesus. Doing these, these significant things, ministering all day. And yet he considered his time alone with God a priority. That's the way it has to be for us. There are no excuses that are valid. If, if, if you don't pray privately, you don't have a regular time, but you pray publicly, then you need to examine, am I, am I a religious hypocrite? Do I only pray so the crowd will hear me? Do I only pray in my Sunday school class so they'll think that I have a prayer time? If that's all you're doing, something is wrong. Something is wrong. Prayer for us is, is, is like oxygen. We, we have to speak to the Lord. And the way you'll grow is by taking in the word and then speaking to the Father. That's what we do. That's what we do. So Jesus tells us that the, the righteous way to pray is to make sure that our motives for praying are not to impress anybody. It's just that righteous praying is for the ears of God alone and that we need to do this. If you don't do that, you, you need to start today. Whatever schedule you follow, however you have it, a little, little computer or a daytime or something or a scrap of paper, this is my time alone with God. And if you're sleepy, then you're sleepy. Then walk, keep your eyes open. Get in the habit of spending time with the Lord in prayer. So, so having said that, now if you're going to obey that, this is what Jesus said to do. You find yourself alone with God. You're in your, you're in your treasure room. You're in your hidden closet. You're in that private inner room. Question is this, what do you say to God? Now that you've made sure you have the time to speak to him, what do you say to him now that you're in your inner room? Well, that gives us, that leads us to verse seven and it gives us a, a second characteristic that Jesus spoke of, of righteous praying. The first is that righteous praying has pure motives. The second characteristic of righteous praying is that it has a proper view of God. If you have the proper view of God, you will, you will speak to him in the proper way. Notice verse seven. And when you are praying, so now, now the picture is there's a progression of thought. You, you are in, in a room, you are alone, and you are praying. When you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For, here's why they do it, they suppose that they'll be heard for their many words. Having told us that we are not to pray like the re Jewish religious Pharisees who prayed in public only to impress others, Jesus now tells us that we're also not to pray like Gentile pagans. He's using Gentile here in the sense of pagans, heathen 
who prayed with meaningless repetition. The Bible does indeed encourage us to be persistent in our prayers, but meaningless repetition is a different issue entirely. You've been listening to Verse by Verse and our pastor teacher Steve Kreloff. Our website at Verse by Verse Ministries is versebyverseradio.org. Please stop by our website soon. When you visit the site, you can listen again to today's program and even sign up for our free podcasting service. While you're there, perhaps you would like to sign up for our complimentary newsletter. The web address is versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to listen to this entire message all at once, it's available on CD or cassette. You can order it by calling 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. We appreciate your prayers and support. Verse by Verse Ministries.